Peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. The sermon text is from Matthew chapter 2, verse 13. When the men had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. Please be seated. O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep, the silent stars go by. Yet in thy dark street shineth the everlasting light. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. Dear friends in Christ Jesus, I really like this time of year. The hymns, the holly, the eggnog. Are you eggnog haters out there? Yes, I, I love me some eggnog. I confess that before Advent 2 was in the books, I'd probably downed an entire pint of that stuff. So, so yes, I, I do like that. I was very excited to, to preach in the Christmas season. You know, there's so many good texts. And then I found out what text I had. You know, December 29th, Matthew 2, 13 through 23, the slaughter of the holy innocents. This is, this is basically the bah humbug of Christmas texts. Speaking of bah humbug, I challenge you to find a more accurate real-life equivalent of that cold, cruel, unscrupulous Ebenezer Scrooge than Herod the Great. This guy took cutthroat politics to a new low. I mean, this is a guy who had, pre before our text, he had had his wife, or one of his wives, his favorite one, three of his sons, his brother-in-law, and his uncle all whacked because he thought that they were all, in one way or another, after his throne, part of some conspiracy. So for him, 15 or 25 random people from, from small thousand-odd person Jewish hamlet called Bethlehem, that wouldn't register at all on his twisted moral compass, especially when one of them was the Messiah, basically a, a ticking time bomb of human civil war as far as he was concerned. But I'm getting a little ahead of myself here. We need to, we need to back up. I mean, 96 hours ago, you know, we were just celebrating the birth of Christ, and, and now this bizarre, beardless, pastor is babbling about some butchery in Bethlehem? I mean, in the words of Ron Burgundy, well, that escalated quickly. <laughs> so a, a quick recap for all of you here. Jesus was born at the end of Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 2 picks up about a year and a half, two years or so after that, with the arrival of a group of magi in Jerusalem. They are following a star in the heavens that they say heralds the birth of the king of the Jews, which everyone in Jerusalem would take to mean the Messiah. Then the so-called wise men start asking around, have you heard about this? I say so-called because saying the word Messiah, where a cold, cruel, calculating killer like Herod the Great can hear you, that's about as wise as shouting bomb in an airport. That word naturally registered on Herod's radar in a big way. Herod was hoping that the pious naivete of the Magi would lead him right to the Messiah's crib side. But thankfully, God warned the Magi in a dream 
and they finally wised up and departed to their home by a different route. And Herod was hoodwinked. And oh, was he mad. And so angry that he sent a kill squad to Bethlehem to wipe out every possible candidate for the Messiah, which included every infant boy aged two years old and down. I mean, now thankfully, of course, Jesus' family escaped because Jesus' adopted father, Joseph, was warned in a dream to depart. And so they got out of Dodge real quick there. But the other kids, they didn't escape. You see what I mean by bah humbug, right? I mean, this is terribly jarring to juxtapose the Savior's birth next to this slaughter in Bethlehem. Why even include this horrific event in the Bible or in our lectionary? Of course, the lectionary is the the Lutheran Church's uh, schedule of readings. You can see it on Roman numeral page 14 through 19 in your hymnals there. We're in in year eight now, if you were interested. But, But why even have it in there? Well, one reason is because it happened, right? It may not be pretty, but it's definitely true. And one thing the Bible is, in, is very infamous for is for perfectly and inerrantly showing the actions of imperfect and quite errant sinners, which is what happens here. In fact, you think this is bad, you should read the book of Judges sometime, just, just saying. But throughout Throughout the Bible, you will actually see this kind of a, a tension, if you will, between the, the perfect purposes of God and the perversions of people. You, you see it over and over again. And you might wonder, why is that? Well, the Lutheran Church, we actually we have our book of confessions called the Book of Concord. And if you look in there in the Formula of Concord, Article 2, it talks about how people have what we call free will in earthly things. Said a different way, you cannot by your own reason or strength come to believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior or come to him at all. Instead, it is the Holy Spirit who calls you by the gospel, who enlightens you with his gifts, who baptizes you into this, the kingdom of believers. So you do not have free will when it comes to God. You don't choose God. God chooses you. However, when it comes to earthly things like you know, what pair of pants you're putting on or whether you cro- cross the street at a crosswalk, you do have free will. So for example, Herod could have chosen to not kill those kids, but he didn't. The Magi could have chosen to go back to Jerusalem and tell Herod exactly where the Messiah was, but they didn't. And Joseph could have chosen to just hang out in Bethlehem for a few more weeks, but he didn't. That very night, he got up, put his wife and her son on the family donkey, and they got out while the getting was good. The slaughter of holy innocence, right on the heels of Christmas Day, this very effectively shows this this tension we're talking about between, between God's purposes and human and human's humanity and their uh, sinful nature. Uh, So on the one hand, we have Christmas Day, which what an amazing Christmas week this was here at Faith Lutheran Church. You know, it was was just beautiful. I I loved it. But 
you know, you have the, the, the whole holiday of Christmas. You have this mind-blowing demonstration of the power of God to affect his purposes. You have the, the seed of Eve present in the virgin soil of Mary that is uh, triggered by the power of the Holy Spirit, which culminates with the birth of Christ the Savior. I mean, it's, and with that, we have the fulfillment of countless prophecies throughout the Old Testament. We have the Christ who is now the, the wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He is born. And, you know, in, in holy joy, we come together. Uh, people celebrate. Families gather. Uh, we have, uh, you know, the wonderful confirmation and consolation of our faith here. I mean, you heard some amazing sermons. Uh, good job, Vicar. That was awesome. Um, you know, and some of us even get to enjoy a little eggnog. Just, just saying. That is Christmas Day. The day of hopes fulfilled, if you will. But here we have what is called by the church the slaughter of holy innocence. A day of fears fulfilled. We have this stark reminder that despite the birth of Jesus, that there are still many pending problems in the world. Tyrants, greed, murder, misery, mayhem, upheaval, fear, strife, refugees. There are still lots of problems in the world. There are still people who won't blink at stomping out the life of others if it is convenient or expedient. There are still families torn to shreds by early deaths of children or loved ones. People still grieve for losses, hurts, or pains. There are still tears. It is jarring to recognize this tension between these two events. You know, God's plans are at work, but so, is the, so are the devil's schemes wreaking havoc. Then again, maybe for some of you, maybe this isn't that jarring especially if you've found yourself on the receiving end of some of that pain and misery. Maybe there was a death in the past. Maybe this is the first or fifth or tenth Christmas without someone. Or maybe you're struggling with a bout of depression. Whatever it was, something hits you hard in the past, and your mind remembers that pain particularly clearly this time of year. You might still decorate or dress up or blast those tunes. Maybe you're a fellow eggnogger, but deep down in the dark reaches of your soul, there is a bitter, broken, and bereaved voice whispering, bah, humbug. If you feel hung out to dry somewhere between the holly and the humbug, then today's text, this is your text. This text shows that Christ did not come to some ideal place long ago and far away, a place with no pain that you could never understand. No, he came to this place, to planet Earth. He came down from heaven and became incarnate right in the middle of the meat grinder. He understands pain and loss, sadness. He gets it, and he gets you. You are why he came down to earth in the first place, to save you. Yes, Jesus escaped 
the fate of the holy innocents of Bethlehem, but that was only so he could grow up and shed his holy, innocent, and precious blood for you at Golgotha. There on the cross, Jesus suffered more than anyone can even imagine. He suffered the full wrath of God the Father Almighty, wrath that was meant to punish the sins of this world, and that includes your sins. Jesus suffered it all. This, all of this pain, all of this pain, all of this wrath, so that your sins could be washed away. Three days after this, Jesus stepped forth from the tomb, alive, restored, the firstborn of the dead, the King of Kings, salvation brings. His light is the light of men, and it is indeed an everlasting light despite multiple attempts to snuff it out. His light still shines here today. The true body and blood of Jesus escaped Herod at Bethlehem, died for you at Calvary, rose from the dead outside of Jerusalem, ascended into heaven, sitting at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. It is back on earth, here for you today. This is yet another gift of the Holy Spirit to strengthen your faith that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Despite the evidence to the contrary, despite the Herods, despite the heartaches, and despite the humbugs of this humble hamlet we call Earth, Christ is born. He is risen. He does reign. He does love you. He is coming again with glory to judge the living, and the dead. And until then, his peace that passes all understanding will sustain you in true faith through the hopes and fears of all the years until life everlasting. Amen. And now may the peace of God that surpasses all understanding watch and guard your hearts in Christ Jesus. Amen.